is Notorious P.O.D. The name's John Bass on this M.I.C. I brought a couple man alongside of me. I got Gary Roy Smith in the place to boot. We got murder stats and guests galore. You know we're talking real hip-hop folklore. And we're gonna cover all the goddamn classics. Notorious P.O.D. We're gonna smash it. Peace! Hello world and welcome to Notorious P.O.D. I'm your host John Bass. This week I'm joined by one of the most respected and versatile artists in the UK music scene. He's performed at Glastonbury, Wembley Arena. He's worked with the likes of Big Nasty, Skinny Man, Kalashnikov and many, many more. Genesis, Elijah, up in the building. <laughs> it was good, man. How you doing? How you good? I'm cool, man. I'm cool. Good. You've, uh, you've come down to my house on a very rainy Sunday, so I appreciate you. Thank it's you right, very man. much. We, um, we kind of first... Actually, the first time I ever spoke to you was on Twitter about... Five years ago, yeah. and you dropped a little video, uh, a little um, instrumental, and you spitting over some boom bap, and you were like, okay. "Go out to my boom bap fans, what do you think about this?" Right? Yeah. And I came back to you, and I was like, "Mate, this is fucking amazing. I'd love to hear like a project from you on this." And you were like, never "Nah, happen. never gonna happen." <laughs> and I was like, "Fuck!" I was like, "Oh, like you got my hopes up, and then dash yeah, me." Yeah, no. And then um, recently, you kind of like put out a little thing on Twitter, just saying that podcasts, radio shows, like get at me. I've got a few things to talk about, so. So fast forward and, and here we are. So. Yeah, man. Yeah, I was going for my. I think I remember that, man. I think that was for that was actually for the Boombat Festival. Yes, that is exactly what yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went to the skate park and did a little video for it. But yeah, Boombat. I think ever since then, like around that time, I was changing my sound and I was kind of moving away from. I was like, kind of really determined to get away from Boombat or traditional hip hop sound. And I think now I'm a bit more relaxed about it. But yeah. I was like, nah, I don't want to do anything that sounds <laughs> like anything that any UK rapper is doing. Like, so yeah, I've changed a little bit, man. Yeah, definitely. Well, because before um, like you came over today, I was just like going like kind of through your back catalogue, and I, I kind of like forgot at the beginning. Yeah, your sound was like that kind of era of yeah, like Skinny Man, Clash yeah, Off, like Depp on Rose was like 100%. that like perfect element of like UK hip hop, mm. that sound which I absolutely loved at the yeah. time. Uh, and like to what you've done, like since then, you've done like a lot of different stuff, which I think is like testament to the versatility. Man. I think like back then when I made music, I was always kind of looking at what what everyone else was doing, and I feel like trying to not even is it really play K or to try and to to get UK UK traditional UK hip hop fans yeah. to like a certain type of music is super easy. Yeah, and to me, it was always, it was always too safe. So then by the time I was trying to move to other things, I'm just like, I'm trying to make music that traditional UK hip-hop fans hate. That's, that was my, that <laughs> yeah. was like my goal. It's like, if you listen to it and you're like, nah, I don't like that. I'm like, all right, cool, I'm on the right path. And I spent like, I don't know, a good couple of years just making music that people were like, nah, I like the old stuff. I'm like, nah, I don't want to do that. Good. If, you, if that's what you're on, there's people still doing that. Yeah. Like you've got the whole high focus that for a lot of them are doing that kind of sound you can go there, but for me, I'm just like, no, I'm gonna do something different. Man. But that's good. I think, I think in any like in any genre, in any era, man, there's always people that that are trying to do that, and that's ultimately what pushes like the genre forward. Is because if everyone like, let's say like American hip hop, right? If everyone just made boom bap nineties mm. hip hop, then it would get a little bit stale. You've got like Afrocentric movements. You've yeah. got like gangster rap from the West Coast. Like people started exploring different sounds, and it mm. gave us a, like a bigger landscape and bigger. But culture. like, even now, you see like it's kind of gone the other way. So mm. now you've got like, 
the trap sound, which for me is kind of dead anyway. Yeah. Um, then you've got like kind of the Afro beats, Afro swing sound that, especially in the UK, which is a bit overused. Yeah. And now people are really just find, trying to find their their pocket within that. And yeah. so having a certain sound and really just kind of branching out and adding your own style to it. And I feel like that's the, for an artist, that's what you should always be aiming for. Like, yeah, there's a certain sound, but how do you make that certain sound your own? Yeah. And how do you take the elements of you and put it into your into your music? And you'll see, like, within my music, there's a theme. There's always, like, there's certain elements of music that I came from that I love. Like, you'll always hear, like, certain dub sounds. You'll always hear dub yeah. samples. Even, it could be grime, it could be trap, it could be whatever. There'll be a dub sample in there somewhere yeah. or some sort of, like, a, a throwback to the music that is before hip-hop. That was me. That was my heart and soul. That's what I, what I came from. That's my roots. So I feel like, as an artist, you should always be trying to find that. Where how do you get your personality onto this sound? Yeah, I think exactly that. I think that's what like the best artists have always traditionally done, which mm. is that they don't lose the essence of what like got them inspired into music. Yeah, but that the surface level sound can change. Yeah. So like, there's, there's artists like there's artists that make soulful hip hop right mm. what I refer to as like soulful hip hop it has like an element of jazz like I'm thinking yeah. like artists like Pete Rock for example yeah, or like yeah. producers like that right they always have that like jazz sound mm. there are other artists that will, will take those elements and like but make it with like a trap beat or make yeah. it with like a drill instrumental mm. or a grime instrumental that they've managed to kind of keep their thing that makes them special but change up to the kind yeah. of fit of times so I think that is important for sure and also as a lyricist man like your the, the beat is really just like that's your landscape man yeah. what you do on top of it that's always going to be you so again regardless of the style that I do the music I make the message is always the same yeah. like me I'm, I've never changed like the very if you listen to the very first song I ever put out which is Jar Bless you listen to the first the intro you listen to what I'm saying, yeah. everything on that literally goes through my whole career. Yeah. From the first track to the last track I ever made, the last track I made with a couple of a couple of days ago, you can go, oh yeah, that theme is the same theme because it's this I'm the same person, like I've never changed, I've always been this same person. Yeah, but I think that's that's why like your uh, fan base has like stayed loyal to you, right? Because it, it resonates with them, the message has stayed for them. I think that's what people like that. And actually on that, uh, congratulations on 50k streams for your track Save, Yeah, that's cool, man. Like, it's not it's not my highest streaming song, but it's just like, it's a song that I didn't think would get the play it got. Which is nice, right? It's a yeah, nice yeah, yeah. And so, I feel like, I, don't, I, I, I honestly, yeah, so you talk over you. I honestly, I don't know what good music is when it comes to my music. I, so I can, make, I can put hours into a song and be like, yo, this is the banger, this is the smash. It sounds like a radio hit, boom, boom. Put it out and people be like, yeah, it's like, or I could do a track like 37 which is literally 20 minutes work yeah. literally from beat to finish 20 minutes work and then I think I even I even recorded the lyrics before the beat was even finished I was like let me just get it done quick yeah, and yeah. Can add the stuff after P- put it up and people are like yo that's deep man I played it the other day I did youth work yeah. and then it was on It was I think they were going over they were going for my SoundCloud and I he was like oh let me play this so one of the kids is playing 37 and it took about, we probably listened to that same song for nine minutes because he kept stopping it. Nah, did you hear what he said? Nah, nah, nah. <laughs> Throwing it back. Nah, and like going back and forth and just starting it again, rewinding it and going over lyrics. And it's just like, if me, again, when I made that song as a 37-year-old on my 37th birthday, if I can make that and have like a 17-year-old go crazy over it, 
who's never not he's not a fan of my, he knows me as a person but he's not a fan of my music but he yeah. just heard that that music it, to me it always shows like yeah you've got there's something there man like there's regardless if you take yourself out of yourself yeah. and say as an artist are you good like yeah there's something there like I can't put my finger on it but I know that there's something there yeah, I guess that's like that is the most probably one of the most difficult things about being an artist is like basically being too close to something like, it's so hard like exactly like you said to see the wood for the trees in terms of like yeah. this is going to bang or yeah. this is actually more introverted you, you might see it the other way around and it's exactly like you said there like you make a track in 20 minutes and yeah. it resonates with someone yeah, who's yeah, like yeah. 10, 15 years you're like younger and it's like those are the sort of things you just can't tell no. from like being too close to it. But that's that's where self awareness comes into it because yeah. your your goal isn't you're not even supposed to be trying to as an artist you shouldn't be trying to make music in thinking about oh how are people going to receive this yeah. or how's it going to how's it going to be received where's it going to go how many streams can I get what, like is this going to blow boom 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 and yeah. it's hard to like not do that because obviously it's always in the back of your mind but when you're when you can be truly self-aware about why you do what you do and you're making something for yourself and you're and again like I said before you're trying to get your personality or the feelings that you what you're feeling you're trying to get out onto this onto this beat or into this piece of music once you've done that then whatever happens after that is a bonus and I feel like once you get that as well it's just it makes the, the process of making music so much easier the, the first 10-15 years of me making music was so hard because every time I made something that I thought was was a banger, yeah. I put it out, it didn't do what I thought it was going to do. So you yeah. use that energy, you run towards this wall, you're going to break through, bang, you hit the wall, you didn't go through. <laughs> now you've got to go all the way back again and start yeah. running up again. Whereas now, that isn't there. It's just like, now nah, we're just making this for myself and it does what it does. Like, I don't care if it blows or it doesn't. It's just like, yeah. nah, we're cool either way. I think that's like, so many artists, I think they go wrong when they're like trying to make, they're basically trying to predict what's going to be successful rather yeah. than make what's true to them. The best music always comes from a place of like origin, like truth. Yeah. If, you, if you make something that you believe in and you, you essentially like, you're absolutely content with whatever it does yeah. is cool. I think it will always do better as a result. Yeah, man. And, pe- and like, it's funny because people also say to me like, oh, what do you think of this? What do you think of that? It don't matter what I think, man. Like yeah. it really doesn't. Like there's there's kids that make music. Obviously, I work again. Like I said I work in youth, so I'm working at a youth project. So a kid will come up to me and will have a song, and he'll be like, "What do you think of this?" And I might think, "I'm like, nah, the flow's off, the beat's off." Like to me, that sounds whack. But all his friends might like it. So then you're good because there's artists that I, when I first heard, I did not like that smash it. I thought I was like, nah. Like when I first heard, um, I don't know, when I first heard like Chief Keith, I was like, nah. This is whack. When I first heard, um, what's his name, Lil B, I'm like, nah, this is whack. But it's like, nah, it's whack to me because yeah. hey, it's not made for me. And, I, and it, I'm not listening it, listening to it in the right frame of mind, whereas you're making something for yourself, people like you are going to gravitate towards it and do whatever. So never take someone's opinion, whether they like it or don't like it, never take their opinion to heart because it really doesn't matter. Yeah, it's really true. It's like any form of art is ultimately like subjective. So it's yeah. like there's no point in, or in almost, it's like no point in like critiquing anything. Because it's no. like, as long as it resonates with one person, like even if that's just you, yeah. like that's fine. Then like, that's it. So right. it's, it's the most important thing. But um, also, you got a music video in Sheffield, right? That you're trying to get some extras for. So stressing me out right now. <laughs> yeah. So if you're in Sheffield and you want to like do some extra work for Genesis, yeah, then me, man. Hit me up. Reach out, reach out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Well, 
let's get stuck into the pod. We normally ask guests like a couple of questions just so people can kind of get a vibe for you. So the normal thing is like you're going for like boxing championship. Right, right. Yeah. And it's your boxing entrance music. Yeah. And the, the MC is like, okay, what do you what do you want to play on your entrance music? What, what are you going for? Simple answer. Kalashnikov, Dagger Mentality. Boom. Dun, 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 dun. Like, imagine that, yeah, it goes quiet, the lights go down. Come like Britney Spears, you get spraying out your head. Bang, it's game <laughs> over. Game yeah. over. You're out there, yeah. I thought about that like, loads of times. Yeah. That's, that's an easy one for me, bro. That's, yeah, that's a good shout. To be fair, we've had like a lot of shouts for like, uh, like, Clearly, like US tracks, but actually, yeah. like I, I've, had, I've had this theory for a long time that UK, like that hip hop we were talking about, that boom bap UK hip hop, yeah. hits so fucking hard compared to like, like other shit that's out now. I, I kind of quite like the fact that it's like you pulled it back to that era because I do think that's that's kind of good for the boxing crowd. I think so, bro. It's just like it's just you want music that moves people as well, and I yeah. think that 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 beat that um, who produced that? I think it was. Um, uh, Joe Budo. Joe Budo, yeah. So you've got that reggae sample that's just um, sped up. Is it sped up or slowed down? It's sped up. Yeah. Like, it's just cold, man. Yeah. It just moves you. You just feel it like, ooh, what's this? Yeah. I think, um, yeah, Roots Maneuver, um, Witness of Fitness, that could work as well. Yeah. Just because that's, that's a bass. Like, sometimes I mess about and I'll be in a, I'll be doing like a DJ set somewhere and it's like totally different kind of music but I'll just put something on just to see what people feel. Yeah, yeah. And like, yeah. you put that on, people, people look like, what, like, what is this? Like, you know, you've got to move, man. Yeah. Like, yeah, definitely. Yeah, you mentioned that dub sound as well. It's like, as soon as you play that like, witness, it's like, everyone's just like, heads are stuck moving. Dub is a killer, man. Yeah. Dub gets everybody, man. That's very true. Very true. The other question that we always ask is, you can have one album for the rest of your life. So essentially, like, all music just disappears mm. into the background. And this album is the only album you can listen to. What, which one are you going um, that is a tough question I think it is a tough question but I feel like there's probably is two and they're not they're not they're probably not the best albums but they're my favourite albums because I always feel like yeah. music is like a time machine in it yeah. so this time of my life was like one of the best times so it'd either be well the first the first choice would be De La Soul Bionics yeah um, second choice would be Ghostface Killer Bulletproof Wallets and that's not even my favourite Ghostface album. It <laughs> might just, be, yeah, it might be... My, actually, I don't think it's even my favourite De La Soul album. I think Grande might be my favourite De La Soul album. But those albums, they're albums that... If I'm feeling, like, super down, which very rarely happens, but if it ever does happen, that's the album I play. And yeah. I'm like, yeah, let me play the album. Because that takes me back to 2001. GTA 3 just came out. <laughs> like, I wasn't even moved out yet. I think I was... I was like... I think I'd moved out, but I was back with my my mum at some point I think I was back at my parents and like my life was just simple like there was no stress <laughs> like yeah. yeah I have to say exactly the same affinity for Dre 2001 for exactly the yeah. same reasons it was like lads holidays or still living yeah. at home like Playstation like Pro Evo till one in the morning See, like no one cares 2001 like, man that was that year <laughs> that was the year it was great so yeah I have that affinity to that album for exactly the same reasons that's, that's cool man um, right, the other thing that we ask people to do and we like like the audience to get involved is give us like their five for five. Essentially, like you can leave us a five-star review and then just give us your five favourite, like your personal favourite MCs. So it doesn't necessarily need to be like who you consider the best. Right. It's just your personal five. We had a, uh, someone, listener called Jinky Guzzler, it's an interesting name, uh, gave us his personal fave. So he had Sean Price, okay. Biggie, Rakim, Nas, and Cool G Raps. Pretty strong list. Yeah, that's a strong list, man. I think my my personals are people who I think 
you might not even have heard of them or mm. you might not listen to them, but the way they do things is different than most other MCs. Um, and again, these are just ones I listen to as well. So number one will, will probably always be Chester P. Yeah. Um, I just think the way Chester P puts words together is just nuts. Um, number two, I'm going to go with... Uh, maybe I should do this in no no particular yeah order. just yeah don't yeah because yeah, you don't yeah, upset yeah, anyone just just um, it's a five Rock Marciano yeah okay he has to be there I just think the way he puts words together is just nuts um, I'm always going to get hate for this one but Drake like Drake is just a way he puts again it, it comes down to who I, who I want to listen to like what, what yeah. do they have to say Drake's always going to be in there um, uh, Terra Slim super biased but again it's my brother man yeah and I think I just feel like every time when I listen to a verse of his I'm always just like I'm always flawed I'm always just like damn I can't believe he said that that was real yeah. because the thing is bare MCs you know like they say what they say but is it real you can't vouch for it whereas yeah. him I can always vouch for what he says and my, my number five is gonna go to like a random one which again most people haven't really heard that much of but Remus um, Remus is uh, Farmer G's son. Oh, okay. Chester P's nephew. Like, you just got to listen to his music, man. Yeah. Like, I think he's he's kind of off the grid at the moment, but as far as like, he's like a hybrid, man. He's like a hybrid of that that style of, that old school style and new school style put together. Te- techni- technically, like, the way he spits, really and truly, I should have put um, Kendrick Lamar on my list as well, but sorry, Kendrick. Yeah. <laughs> the way he spits, it's just, it's just perfect, man. Like, I always see myself a technical as a technical MC. I never see myself as that good, only because it's something that I've never really cared that much about in my in my. When I was younger, I did. As I get older, I, I care way more about what I say than how I say yeah. it. Whereas an artist like Remus, the way he says things, how he says it, the imagery, the metaphors, the clarity, everything to me is like if I'm saying that's how MC should sound. That's like. Yeah. yeah, that's good, man. That's good. Let's. I've, I've, what I'm noticing, and what I think is actually a really good theme for this pod already, is that I think what resonates with you is someone that's trying to push the envelope, that's trying to do something different, and that actually leads in really nicely to like why we're doing this album, which is the streets grand don't come for free, right? Yeah, man. So when when we started talking, it was like I basically said to you, look, you can have any album for like hip hop, UK grind, what anything you want. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, I want to do either Roots Manoeuvre, like Run Come Save Me, or I want to do Streets Grand Don't Come Free. I'll be honest with you, I was like, okay, like I didn't see that coming. Yeah. And I think that that kind of is testament to what you were saying before about you like people and artists that are pushing the envelope. And yeah. Grand Don't Come for Free is like almost a kind of standalone album in the sense of like what it actually represents and how it was produced and, and all the rest of it. So, how, how come that was like the one that you went for in the end? Um, I love concept albums. Yeah. I think that might be one of the best, definitely at the UK mm. concept albums. I can't even think of another UK concept album. To be fair, the way it's put together is genius. Yeah, it's actually upsetting because of like <laughs> the kind of like the the person I am when it comes to albums and how much I love concept albums. It, it put me in a position that I can never do one better than that because just the format, track to track, um, the sequencing, and the the plot twist at the end, mm. the two different endings, like you can't. What can you do? You can't. You can't be it. And I think 
even if like, I listen to it again today, just so I could just be, be fresh in my mind mm. and like listening to it, I don't even, I don't even know if Mike Skinner knew how genius it was when he did it. Yeah. Like, it's just nuts. Uh, I totally agree with you. Do you know, one of my favourite things about doing this pod is in the week running up to recording is I just listen to the album, like literally nothing else but that album on repeat. Yeah. And the amount of fucking great albums that I've been listening to again, like and really getting back into, because again, this was like 2004. Yeah. So it's like a good few years ago since I last was like in this yeah, album yeah, yeah. and it was new to me. Yeah. And like rediscovering it was almost better than it was the first time. Because I was like, I genuinely had like more of a concept of like how fucking good it is. Yeah. And like appreciation of it. Like I've been listening to like, Illmatic and Ready to Die and like these classic like hip hop American albums and I'm like this okay they're completely different yeah, yeah, in yeah. terms of like dynamically and how they sound but it's fucking amazing like it really does stand up against anything you want to put it up against 100%. for it's like individuality and, and all the reasons that we're going to go into but yeah it's a great choice and I'm so glad that you picked it because we've done like I said a lot of uh, American classic yeah. hip hop albums yeah. but I really wanted to do something with the UK we wanted to do some more albums from the UK from like grime and hip hop anyway yeah. so it's like perfect entry to that so thanks for um, suggesting it. it's a great shout um, alright let's get into it because I really do want to like dive into the album this was actually like their second album a lot of the time like that people's classic albums is usually their first albums mm. right and, um, original pirate material is great love yeah. it it's one of, one of my personal favourites as well yeah. What do you think are like the main differences aside from the fact this is like a concept album? I think the sound like t- takes it up another level. The sound, know. yeah, the sound is definitely changed. Yeah, um, I feel like th- still being experimental is yeah. still there, which again is like I don't know even that, even that in itself in a concept album. Like when you do a concept album, you're 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 probably less likely to experiment. Like you kind of you kind of goes all in on the experimentation. Yeah. Um, I feel it's an older kind of he's, he's slightly matured even though it's only like two years different yeah. but I feel like that first introduction was like yeah I'm here boom 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 but now now this one again as well this is what's, what's beautiful about it yeah? a grand ain't even that much money yeah <laughs> like, exactly especially like for him as well at yeah. that time so you're you're a big artist I think um, at that time original part material had already gone platinum like yeah. really like so crazy he was a big artist and what he's done instead of kind of what what a lot of artists will do at, especially at that time you're going to have the poor little rich me like I'm so famous now yeah. and you're going to talk about that he doesn't do that he just brings it straight back to where he was like you literally you're just it's, it's like it's almost like this album exists within original pirate material yeah exactly like it's in that same world and I feel like as well you're He's very good at world building. Like we talk about world building all the time with like movies now and MCU and but he builds that within an album. And I feel like it's still in the same original pirate material world. And I feel like again for me, that ain't my that's not really my world either. Yeah. Like to me that was like street, real street, but kind of like underneath, like not being not being bad, but he wasn't the people I moved with. He was the people that we sold to. Yeah. You know what I mean? So he was like, <laughs> he's talking about doing brown and stuff and to see an, an album from that point of view and again, like I said, a grand, it's not even that much money but in that world, that's everything to him right there. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, it's in, in, in my mind, it was always like that grand was from like, he did a show or something and he had that money and to me, it was like, that's why it was so important to him. But I think, 
it's, it's hard to pinpoint what the main difference is but I feel like the main difference is just that maturity yeah. um, just that next step yeah for definite I, I think there's so many good points you just raised there I think the idea of like this world building thing is exactly right it's almost like as soon as the lights go off in original pirate material it's like the next day and you wake yeah. up in the grand don't come for free yeah. and it is that same world and I almost think of it as like it's like grime and hip hop for geezers it's I'm like too- it's like that kind of like inner city London like kind of East London yeah. type thing I know obviously he's like kind from of moved from Birmingham to, to London but he's created this idea of kind of like Burberry coat wearing yeah. football hooligan type that sort of part of London inner yeah. city culture at that time mm. but he's like doing it from the lens like musically from yeah. like, like hip hop and grime and taking some of those aspects so it's like a really interesting like world that he's created and yeah the idea of it like being a grand I think is really interesting because it's like to the normal kind of just like bloke in the street who goes down the bookies and like goes on like lads holidays to Benidorm and all that sort of stuff like a grand in cash like it kind of just stuck away in your house for a rainy day is quite a lot of cash Mm. and so like the idea of like that kind of setting up the events of however many weeks this is set over is really interesting dynamic because it's not big enough that it's like oh this is crazy and it's unrelatable it's like if I had a thousand pounds and I lost it I would be fucking yeah 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 yeah. so I really like that the whole idea of of this of this like a thousand pounds being essentially like the kind of route Mm. to, to the whole album but um I guess the thing for me that I always kind of resonates with me with this album is like original part material was great it was like push things forward and yeah. like has it come to this were kind of like standouts but they weren't like massive in the mainstream they were nah. they were well received and I think people liked them they, they saw this guy had talent but I feel like Dry Your Eyes mm. genuinely might be one of the best breakup songs to ever come out of British yeah. music like it is fucking amazing do you think that that as a crossover hit was like one of the reasons this album became like so big I think so that definitely was I feel like because of original part material had done so well yeah and um, had done well on an independent label um, I, I think it, it did a lot better than they thought it would they were in a position to like put a bit more into it yeah so it was in all the right places also behind the scenes or not behind the scenes but off the the back of this album there were a lot of remixes yeah and the idea of um you have to remember man 2004 that's like channel u peak times yeah so this is when the first time you're really seeing urban music grime like on tv everyone's talking about grime everyone's doing that mike skinner at the time was working with was doing remixes with all the grime artists. So yeah. you had Kano, you had um, a whole bunch of, a whole bu- uh, Lady Sov, like a whole bunch of yeah. artists on remixes that weren't even on the album, but had videos for. Yeah. So you're kind of hitting all demographics. And I feel like the marketing, the ideas behind that, or, on how they put the album together or how, or how they presented it was just genius. Um yeah. It, it kind of hit it hit all the demographics that you would, you would want to hit it hit the people who don't listen to grime it hit the grime heads and I feel like when you're making music Dry Your Eyes is a crossover hit yeah but you're also it's a crossover hit from an artist who is essentially a grime artist I used to work in a, a Virgin Virgin Megastore he was put his music would come under dance urban like you wouldn't know where to put it yeah. because you're hitting both both genres so he's under electronic it's under urban it's under pop and I feel like he was making music that really be, that could reach 
all those different demographics. That's such a really good point, which I never considered, and I should have, because when I was writing the show, I didn't really know how to classify this album. I was like, it's not a grind album. No. It's not a hip-hop album. No. It's... Like what is it? Like yeah. it's his own thing, yeah, yeah. and like that, I think is why he's been so successful. Exactly like you said, because actually, there's so many different like styles in one album yeah. and in like one group that he's like essentially able to kind of capture like a bigger amount of people. That these styles in one song, yeah, it's true. So like you've got true. if you listen to um like Blinded by the Lights, Blinded by the Lights is a club track, yeah, but you can't play it in a club, yeah, because it's not. It's just mad talking, like it's got yeah. way too many lyrics, yeah. but it still it does work in a club. Yeah. So it's like, what do you even again? What do you put that as? It's, it's like it is. It's a song within a. It's a song within a song. It's a genre within a genre. Like, and to me, there's there's so many examples of that throughout all of his music. Yeah. That, to me, that's just that's to you, it's a genius. It is genius. It is genius. Like Blind by such. Every time I listen to it, that little dun, dun, dun synth is like that's just like that's almost like techno yeah. sample. But then it's like the the beat is like quite mellow, like yeah. it's actually like almost like really lo-fi hip hop. Yeah. Then like the vocal cuts through and he's like it's fucking amazing. Yeah. And like you just like the actual creation of that like blue like blows my mind. And it's, like like production wise, yeah, like if you listen to there's certain albums that you listen to and you you go okay the production on this is on a totally different level. You listen to an album like To Pimp a Butterfly. Yeah. The production value of that album in itself is crazy yeah. like there's so many moving parts with especially this album yeah it's not it's not mind it's 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 mind blowing in its simplicity yeah like it's not there's nothing crazy about it it's just i i, I say that the, the most well-produced song on it is dry your eyes yeah just because of the way the strings are like i don't know if they had like a, it sounds like it was real strings yeah. made for that song everything else all the other songs they're really quite simple it's just like the genius of the the sequencing the drum sequencing yeah. and just how they put the track together but again it's nothing that you that as a producer I listen to and go oh, I can never do that Yeah, I I could do that but it's not in that way it just yeah. wouldn't work like there's there's a genius behind that yeah definitely like, there is so much to be said about like simplicity and like mm. I've heard him interviewed a few times and he's basically like I consider myself to be like a minimal artist like I yeah. just make very simple stuff and it's like it's what I'm talking about the stories and the narratives that are the bits that like add the colour on top right this is like this is why an artist like him resonates so much with me because I'm exactly the same like I'm not I can't it's not that I'm lazy it's just that my my skills as a songwriter only go so far yeah because again I'm not I'm not the kind of person to sit down and go, oh, right, I'm going to go through a thousand different hi-hats. I don't care which one. That sounds pretty much what I want, but yeah, I'll use yeah. that one. What I'm trying to do, I'm trying to, again, I'm trying to tell stories. I'm trying to just say a few little things to make you go, I know that person a little bit better now. I've heard him say something that resonates with me or he he feels the way he feels. One thing I, one thing I find with a lot of artists and the artists that I don't really listen to a lot of or an artist won't, won't grab me if I listen to your music and after listening to your music I don't know who you are Yeah, I don't care I just want that person to say something to me to go I get you yeah cool cool or even if I don't understand you and I I believe that what you're saying represents you yeah cool I'm in man 
Yeah, no, it's so true. And that, I think that's like, as a wider point generally, like all art, like the closer it can be to something that's actually true. Yeah. Like you could have a, like a science fiction story, like mad shit set mm. in space. But if you believe that that character is like tr- a real person or yeah. that they're from a place of like truth, then it makes it a lot more interesting. I think music's like a prime example of that. Yeah. You can, like this album, it's essentially like a narrative, like he's created a story, right? Yeah. But I believe that somewhere in his life, those sort of things have happened and yeah. he's done something like that and he's met people like that and he's yeah. been in those situations. But I fully believe that. Yeah. And I think that's the power of what he's created. It's like yeah. it's a narrative, but also... Like, I believe it. It's I believe that's a true story. Right, we're going to have a real quick break and then we're going to get into like favourite tracks, more about the production, um, just, just loads more stuff. So we're going to have a quick break cool. and then we'll be back. These are your murder stats for the streets A Grand Don't Come For Free. A Grand Don't Come For Free is the second studio album from British act The Streets. It was released on the 17th of May 2004 and is listed in the book of 1001 albums you must hear before you die. It's a rap opera which follows the story of its protagonist's relationship with a girl named Simone alongside the mysterious loss of a thousand pounds from his home. The album can be considered a concept album since the tracks on the album together in the exact same order form a larger scenario overall. Like the Street's debut album, Original Pirate Material, the album was recorded in a flat in South London, but this time in Skinner's own flat in Stockwell, which he bought using the money he'd received upon signing his publishing deal. The first single from the album was Fit But You Know It, reaching number four on the UK singles chart, with the second single, Dry Your Eyes, entering the UK charts at number one. The album itself reached number one in the UK album charts, number 11 in Australia, and number 82 in the United States. The album produced four singles, Fit But You Know It, released 3rd of May 2004, peaking at number four in the UK charts. Dry Your Eyes, released 26th of July 2004, reaching number one in the UK. Blinded by the Lights, released 4th of October 2004, which reached number 10 in the UK and could well be in. Released 6th December 2004, number 30 in the UK charts. Those were your murder stats for the streets. A grand don't come for free. Okay, so we are coffee and water stocked up. We're ready to dive back into um, the streets. Grand don't come for free. Let's just talk about like simple favourite tracks and why. Okay, because um, I feel like you could essentially just be like the whole album. Thanks. You, you know what? There's only there's, there's only one song that I don't like as much as the others, um, which is. I wonder if we have the same one. Um, it's his lucky day. Oh really? Yeah, that's not, my, not addictive. That's, nah, because yeah. that's like, and for like a silly reason as well, only because like the production, I find is like, if like if you took the story off it. I wouldn't choose that beat. Like, I wouldn't listen to it and be like, yeah, that's a good beat to use. And I feel like all the others, you can take all the lyrics off it, play the, play, just play the beat and be like, yeah, that's a pretty pretty good beat. Yeah. That one is just not my kind of thing. But saying that, and, and maybe because also it's not relatable to, it's the, it's the one that's furthest removed from how I relate. Yeah. I don't watch football either, but I don't, I've never betted. So that whole, that whole part of it is, just, is a bit of a, no, I wouldn't skip it, but it's like, yeah, nah, not really for me. Yeah. But at the same time, it's still an amazing song. Yeah. Like, the story's amazing. The the last verse, when he kind of does his, his rhyme pattern, uh, 
it's kind of hard. Like yeah. he does his thing on it still. Like, yeah. But yeah. That's. I also think there's like with that track particular. I mean, the whole way through there's like elements of like comedy. I would say, and it's yeah. like designed to kind of make you like laugh a little bit. And there's a bit towards the end when he's like, right, I've worked it out. I'm not going to bet on football like to win anymore. I'm yeah. Bet on us to lose at the cricket. The cricket. Yeah. And it's just like <laughs> I feel like that track is is more yeah. like a, a kind of like a light note in the story. Yeah. Kind of like just gives you a little bit of a comedy like aspect to it because yeah. it's kind of like. The whole thing is a kind of like joke and on kind of betting. I don't even understand football, but I reckon I could win. Like yeah. this one's definitely going to happen. Like, yeah, I, I, yeah. I think what I do like about that song though is he does this on a few songs. The hook changes as the song goes on. Yeah, and I feel like that's genius in itself because it's like the narrative again. You're moving. You've got a story that goes throughout the whole album, but you've also got stories within within stories. Yeah. And to be able to change change the hooks up to let you know how you're moving through is genius and just yeah that element itself is one of the reasons why I still say that track is super hard but yeah you're right actually That's there's a couple of tracks where that happens and we're essentially mm. like as the verses kind of inform what's happened yeah. the chorus like sort of either switches perspective yeah. and it's like oh, actually this is good because X, Y and Z yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's, it's a kind of like clever little tool that I, don't, like, I can't remember many other artists like using that <laughs> as a songwriter it's not even one that you really would because just the yeah. way like the way hooks work the hook is the hook yeah and even in I don't know it's just it, it, it's such again man there's a lot of things that he does that people don't utilise or haven't utilised and I feel like even if they did it now it would still be a cool it'd be a, it'd be a throwback to that it'd be like yeah, I know where you got that from. Yeah. So if you ever hear me doing that, I stole it from my <laughs> Yeah, you heard it here first. Now we're looking out for Genesis Elijah, like, switching up his... And I stole a lot of things from him as well, but, you know what I mean? I let people know that. The thing is, look, for one man saying it's stealing, it's another man saying it's his influence. That's, that's true, yeah, That's where yeah, I'm at with it. Yeah, like, I'm, I'm definitely stealing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, for me, like, favourite tracks, like, like you said, it's more of a case of the tracks that I don't like. The only track that I don't like on this album, and when I say I don't like it, it's not it's exactly the same yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. It's not that I'm like, oh, shit, like, I wouldn't listen to it. It's just that it got rinsed. It was fit, but you know it. I knew you were going to say that. I, I just can't. Say that. Everyone I hear it, I'm yeah, just like, yeah, oh, yeah. turn it over. Like, I can't but, it. see, to me... That's genius in a, in its own way because the the sample the um, the guitar yeah. uh, riff that they use um, the hook it's it's proper laddish yeah. proper pubby like yeah. and I feel like especially at that time you don't really have enough urban music that really represents like average. British lad culture. Yeah. So you had you, you kind of had it in like the nineties with the Britpop era. You had that, and you would say, yeah, that's like that's the music for the lads' music. But when it when it comes down to urban music, what you what you have for the most part is rappers who um, are living in, I say, predominantly black areas, yeah. and they're the music they're making. It sounds it's almost it just sounds like the area the yeah. area you're in even when you have people that move from other areas into it it's like now nah, we're in this environment we make music for this environment for you what you forget is that the world the country's massive and most people don't live in they don't have that same um, cultural aspect of how they live their lives yeah. there's a massive like I say football football's like the biggest thing in the country isn't it? Yeah. a lot of you wouldn't you wouldn't you wouldn't put football with hip hop yeah. that those two things just don't really go together 
but at the same time there's so many people that love hip hop and love football yeah and Mike Skinner was the only person to really kind of like you said that football hooliganish type yeah like vibe bring that into music like bring bring it into into what you would class as urban music and to me that's genius and if you look now you look at guys like Slow Tie you look at guys yeah. like um uh, what's the other guy uh, Devlin you look at guys who are like no 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 cool yeah I'm doing urban music but I'm still representing like British culture yeah even even guys like um, like Michael Payne like these are guys who you're yeah yeah I do urban music but I'm a lad's lad yeah and I feel like he was the first person to really do that in that way Roots Maneuver kind of did it but again yeah. he's from a different generation and again, a diff- he, he, he's still a lot more yard than he is British. Yeah. Even though the British element is definitely there. For definite. I think that's one of the things that, like, going to... Um, if you want to, I'd love you to come back and do Roots Manoeuvre. I think it might have to be better. Yeah, I think it'd be great. Because <laughs> cool. one of the things that I really, I think is, like, again, genius about Roots Manoeuvre is he's that perfect example for me of what, like, British music should be, which is, like, 100%. we should celebrate, like the various different cultures that have created what we've got but we should put that through the lens of like being London or being yeah. Manchester or being Birmingham yeah. like that's what makes British music its own thing is that yeah. it is like quintessentially British yeah. and we celebrate in all the origins of where that music's come from yeah. and I think Roos does that pretty much better than anyone else or he, he certainly started that trend and I think, yeah, I think that's interesting and yeah Mike Skinner's definitely captured an area or like a demographic of society in in some of his music and that song has like kind of become a bit of an anthem for that demographic yeah. that, he's, that he's hit with that yeah no 100% and like I think it's sometimes it's, it's something so small like again don't want to go too much on the Roots Maneuver now but when Roots Maneuver says when he mentions little things like I sit here contented with his cheese on toast yeah. right you're like damn yeah. and like then he'll say other things where it's like that's a yard reference like yeah. and somebody because and that's the thing as well like the majority of us we grew up in like especially if you're um, third generation immigrant right especially from the Caribbean so you got Roots Maneuver is like my dad my uncles that's their thing because they're one side yard but they're one side cockney as well and that's just how they are so when they talk to their you know what I mean grandparents then it's like then it's all it's all it's all yard talk but then it's all right, man. Hey, there you are, and it, then it switches. Yeah. And to and to me, Roots Maneuver represent that represented that like incredible. And the same way, Mike Skinner, it's like you're bringing that. You're because everyone's got that. It's, it's yeah. mad. Like in music, it's 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 super segregated. Yeah. But in the real world, it's not that. Yeah. In the real world, we are really like we're integrated so much more than it kind of comes across in the music scene, um, in our boxes, in this this hip hop, pop dance like it's not that really yeah I'm with you on that and I think like those artists that you mentioned like they're kind of they're giving a a more of a truer face of actually what Britain is like they are showing like actually like there's a crossover in terms of like language that's Mm. that's used and the music that we like and the culture that we share Yeah, it's like there's so much more that we share than we don't share 100% and like there's so much music that's like well actually no fuck you this is this is this little thing and actually no fuck you this is our little thing yeah it's like, it doesn't need to nah, actually be that not at all so yeah it's, I think that's um, that's a good point but yeah basically so we're saying there's one album each uh, sorry one track each from this album that we don't like the rest is like pretty fucking yeah. great um, let's talk about production on this album because 
I think it's one of the things that like Mike Skinner, uh, like rightly, does get praised on is, is his actual production mm. style. Yeah, because he's obviously like produced for like Kano and lots of other people, like yeah. to, to good effect. Um, what what I think about production on this album, we've spoken about it already, is like the mixture of kind of sounds and styles. Yeah. But actually, like when I listen back to it, there was that era when like when he was working with Kano, and he did like Nine to Five, and there's a couple of other tracks on that album. And a lot of the styles that he was making then, mm. I can hear it now in this album. Yeah. And so actually, like I would say, it more leans towards like for the majority of the album, like grime that was going yeah. on then. Hundred percent. Like we we talked about like tracks as well, um, like the track with um, like the betting stuff. Yeah. Uh, what's it called? Uh, Not addicted. That actually to me was like a lot of grime tracks around the era sounded like that in the sense of it's like you had like quite like flashy snares yeah. and then like high pitched like synths that because that track's that you had a lot of grime tracks around that era that sounded similar to that but um, yeah I just wanted to get your view on kind of like the like the production on this album and, and like from your like wider point like his I production th- style I think Mike I think Mike Skinner's production style is not the greatest as in like I, I don't think he's the best producer technically and I don't think he's yeah. the best songwriter technically and what I mean by that is um, the best song or the best producers slash songwriters when it comes to composition when you're making a song it, it should be the pattern should be there but the pattern shouldn't be that obvious Yeah. and I think Mike Skinner what he does with his music is the the pattern the hook the draw is quite obvious and it's quite it is simple it is quite sparse yeah. how he does it um, which is exactly like me that's the way I'm not as good as him but that's the way I make this is the way I might make music man it's just that's yeah. just my style what he what he has in his simplicity is he can he gets across like because when you make when you make a beat you're trying to get across a sound right you're trying to get across a feeling yeah. he just does it effortlessly like you get exactly what he's what he's trying to get you to get from that beat, yeah. and I feel like that's really his his gift as a producer. Um, like there's countless there's countless songs that you listen to and you're just like, this beat is really simple, yeah. but it's super effective, and I don't think another another producer would have messed it up because they would have added too much, they would have overproduced it. Yeah. Mike Skinner never overproduces a track. He, he just does it to the perfect amount. And yeah. I feel like that's why it's amazing. You might have a cook, yeah, a chef, who will make you the biggest dinner with all the, all these different sides and trimmings. But at the same time, sometimes all you want is a chicken pie. <laughs> like, that's what my student does. He just yeah. goes, yeah, nah, this is what I'm, we're making. This is it. Eat it. And you're just like, yeah, nah, nah, nah. That is how it's supposed to be. Yeah, right. that's yeah, that's a good shout. I think it's, again, what we're talking about, which is, like, simplicity. Like, yeah, sometimes, man. like, that is the key. Like, if I think about like my favourite producers in like hip hop, for example, like Premier, yeah, his stuff is fucking simple. Like it's essentially loops, yeah, and like he could sprinkle loads of shit on top yeah. or change things. Yeah. But he's like, nah, it's just here's the loop. I've made it. I've given you like a simplistic beat, yeah. and it's like if you just go over that, it's going to sound great. Yeah, and then you hear other producers, and it's just like a bit of a fucking mess. Technically, yeah. it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to listen to yeah. it. I think Mike Skinner, the, the closest American producer, would be like Swiss Beats. Yeah, like good shout. Because he's giving you something really simple, but it's it's the bit you like. And I feel like a lot of times, that's the 
that's the hard bit to get because you, you hear something and you're like, oh, this is the main part of the track. And you don't want to, you don't, like a, a modern songwriter will tell you, you want to build to that. Yeah. You want to give them a little bit of it, not too much, then you want to take it out again, then you want to bring it back in again because they're anticipating it. Um, in a way, my Skinner does do that, but he gives you, he just gives you the bit you like. Like if you listen to Blinded by the Lights, the bit you like is that vocal sample. Yeah. And it just comes in all the time. Yeah. And it's amazing. And I feel like another producer would have saved that for the hook. Definitely. They wouldn't have done it. They wouldn't have, and it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have felt right because you're just, the way he does it is just, is just perfect. And if you listen to Blinded by the Lights as well, again, super simple. Um, the structure is super simple, but it's just enough variation to the part when he's like, yo, these pills ain't working. Yeah. It comes down and you're like, it just gives you that element of what's happening next. Yeah. And then when it comes through, it, it builds up again and like, it's just, composition to me is a, it's perfect on that song. Yeah, it's true. I remember, like, so basically back in the day, I used to, um, I went to college to study like sound design. Didn't finish, so yeah. like, that, that'll tell you everything about me. <laughs> um, but one of the things that I like, um, I learned, which I found really interesting is like, essentially, you should always be trying to get rid of stuff and pull stuff down, right? So yeah. when you're in a mix, like, everyone's thing is like, how do I make it fucking loud? How do I make it bigger, louder, like more brash? And like the idea is actually like to pull things away is more impactful. It's a bit like in acting when they say like if you're on like TV or film, you should talk really quietly because it like pulls people in, right? Yeah. And I think that what he's done in some of his productions is exactly that. It's like he kind of gives like maybe like piano, drums, bass, and then like some sort of like little like synth pattern, right? Yeah. And then it just at certain points he'll just pull two two of them yeah. away, and you're like, okay, like yeah. your ear just goes, what's happening now? Like what's happening? And it's like blinded by the light is a perfect example of that because it just goes to the beat, and you're just like, okay, well this is obviously like an element of the story that's going to happen. Yeah, it's fucking like his production is is mad to me. But I do, I do think that the Swiss Beats comparison is a good one because I do feel like, uh, and it's changed like as he's gone forward, he's started to use more like live instrumentation. Yeah, but yeah. Swiss Beats was like for me, especially in, like hip hop at that time, was jazz samples and like soul mm. samples, and he yeah. was like, "Nah, fuck it, I'm just going to make it like electronic and yeah. sound like synthetic and yeah. fresh." And it was really was really fresh at the time in hip hop. I feel like Mike Skin is exactly like that. He's, yeah, he manages to like craft soulfulness in the song and the story. Yeah, but the actual instrumentals are like. That's why I say it's probably, if I had to pick a genre, probably like more like grime yeah. for that reason. Because yeah. I feel like grime's more synthetic, electronic than it is like, like soulful. As far as like UK hip-hop producers, um, especially from that era or a bit before, everyone was making a very similar sound. Yeah. Um, Carl Hines was making a different sound. Carl Hines was the first producer, UK hip-hop producer, to just kind of go, now nah, I'm going to do my own thing yeah. and really change his sound. And a lot of people, same way Swiss Beats got hate for it, same way Carl Hines, people just weren't ready for it. And it's funny because then a little while down the road, you see it, Grime really just goes into that. And if you listen to a lot of Carl Hines beats, mm. you listen to a lot of Grime stuff, you see this, the similar in the elements in the sound. And sometimes you're just a bit before your time, people just aren't ready for it. Yeah, it's a good point. Yeah, because there's that, that famous story about DMX here in Rough Riders Anthem. And being like, started yeah. laughing, yeah. like literally cracking up, going like, "What the fuck's this?" Yeah. And he's like, "This is going to be massive." And he's like, "Nah, nah." And he had to like be convinced yeah. to take it. It's like, that is absolutely mad. Um, okay, so let's talk about the storytelling aspect of this because, like, as a songwriter yourself and someone who, like, clearly you really rate the idea of, of being able to build this narrative. You mentioned before, obviously, the fact it's a concept that makes it mm -hmm. amazing. What What is it about the? Because there's this obviously. 
the overarching story, right? Yeah. Of like this money and, and how it like comes to go missing and then be discovered. But like all the songs have their own story in, yeah. bet- in between them. Like, what is it about the, the storytelling aspect that you that you like on this album? I think it's what is it, man? It's a it's a movie, man. It's, yeah. it's, it's just a, it's a movie, and I feel like there's little bits in it. So one thing that surprised me listening back to it is a lot of like relationship songs in it. Yeah, for sure. So if you think about um, uh, the first, the second track. Oh, was it could well be in? Yeah, yeah. right. So that's a that's a girl track. Uh, yeah. Blinded by the lights is really talking about waiting for this. You know what I mean, trying to find this girl. Yeah. Um, then you've got Get Out of My House yeah. with Simone, which is genius. Um, and then, obviously, you've got Dry Your Eyes. Dry Your Eyes. There's, like, that's a lot of relationship songs for, sure. for, like, one album. And I feel like, then within that, you've got friendships. There's, there's so many, like, if you were, you're, gonna, you're talking about a movie, right? So you've got the, you've got the friendship, you've got the loyalty, when he um, kissed the other girl, You've got um, breaking up. You've got being getting cheated on. You've got obviously losing the money. You've got drugs. Um, there's so many references, so many different things, so many different elements to it. Yeah. And somehow it all goes together into one cohesive story. And at the same time, the elements of it are super mundane, like sitting on the couch. Yeah. Everything and everything is a, is a kind of thing that you can, for most people, can relate to and just be like, oh, yeah, I know what that feels like. I know how that is. Um, and I just think the having little bits like the TV don't work. You find out about that like yeah. way early on, but it doesn't make any sense at the time. Yeah. And it comes in later, and it's just like having the like. It's so genius to just have that over different songs because that's not thing at all all of these songs work as standalone songs exactly so that's a, in itself is difficult it's like well how do you how do you make a standalone song that fits with all these other songs um, the whole yeah it's, it's just genius man like the way he puts the whole story together the way you find out about certain things I think the most confusing song is um, uh, what was it I wish I could see what his eyes are saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it's just called What's He Thinking, isn't What's it? What's He Thinking? Yeah, I, I must be honest, because I, I hadn't heard it for a while, and I was like, just trying to like really understand the narrative, and it was like, I was a little bit confused, it's like, well, how has that worked out that it's like this yeah. guy, right? And but there's was, a lot of songs like that, though, because yeah. there's, there's a lot of songs where he doesn't tell you what's really happening yeah. until the end. Even if you listen to um, uh, You're Fit, but you know it. You don't even realise he's on holiday exactly. until like the end of that song. Exactly. So, and then the song after that, it comes across as if it's like he just got back. But then if you listen to the lyrics, there's also been, he's been back and there's been something that's gone in between that. Yeah. So, yeah, it's actually, in, in a way, it's not 100% perfect, but overarching, it, it works out. Yeah. No, that's exactly how I feel about it. Because I was like, the first time I listened back to it, I hadn't listened to it probably like eight years, yeah. maybe. And I was a bit like, hey, like what? Like, I was yeah, just really yeah, confused. Yeah. I was like, they've been on holiday. I was like, I thought they were yeah. just, because the video, the video isn't set in either. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I was like, I don't remember them like being abroad. Like, what the yeah. fuck's that all about? And then, yeah, it took me a couple of bits to be like, okay, fine. And then it's obviously just a like moving time. Yeah. Which is, which is cool. But um, it makes me think like maybe there was a few tracks that they took out yeah. that could have gone in because you don't really have 
there should have been a song when he's at on holiday yeah. um, or when he came back there is a bit missing and even like the coat bit mm. there's nothing to that mentions when the coat that scene like how did it get there yeah. and I know they do a whole song about it but that could have been mentioned a little bit earlier because he never mentioned the coat before so that's like to me I was like yeah that was you could have mentioned the coat before or you could have played up more the problem with Dan like who is Dan to you all that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's that's true. Although I did read today that um, "Blinded by the Lights" like on the single, the B side, actually has a track that's set after "Fit But You Don't Know It," and then such okay. a twat, which actually fills in the story. So in so, yeah. um, "Such a Twat," there's a bit about like "I'm sorry I dropped my ice cream," ended in the vodka or whatever it is. Right. That's like kind of a crucial bit to this other song. Okay, but there's the B sides. Yeah, there's the B sides and the B sides too, and those there's a couple of tracks on there that I haven't really listen to yet but I'll shut out yeah so it's interesting because I, I just didn't realise that and then when I was just, like reading up about it I was like oh, okay that makes a lot yeah. of sense but it was probably done like retrospectively right. to just fill in the gaps because yeah. I think that's probably what happened is you have this concept so you know like the start and the end yeah. once you've like recorded say the first three tracks and you're like they're amazing and you go oh shit like we can't now like introduce these new ideas we're just going to have to like retrospectively like cover them yeah so yeah. I feel like maybe yeah. that's where they got yeah. to where they were like yeah. oh shit actually we can't really so we're just going to have to like just assume that people will work this yeah. out. Which yeah. I think is fair enough because yeah. sometimes you don't need to, um, it's like they say in filmmaking, like you don't need to like tell people, you just need Every, to show them. Right? That's it, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I feel like that's maybe what he's done is like left a little bit to your imagination. To yeah, work, yeah, yeah. Which is cool. All right, well, look, we're just going to have another quick break and then we're going to talk about um, like favourite instrumentals, um, if you could feature on any tracks, favourite lyrics, all that sort of stuff. So we'll, we'll have a little break and we'll be back. Okay, so let's get back into it. Um, straight off the bat, favourite instrumentals. I know we talked about production and all that sort of stuff, but like, let's just pitch the scene like you're in a studio and you can pick any of his albums and like history just erases Mike Skinner and you can be like, I made this instrumental. Which one would you pick? I think I still go with Blinded by Lights. Yeah. Because just of the kind of... I always go from what beat do I wish I could have made and that's one that when I listen to, I'm just like, oh man, like the strings... Yeah. Um, so wait, did I say blind white lights? No, yeah. I meant um, dry your eyes. Yeah. So dry your eyes. Yeah, yeah. The strings on that, to me, I love strings anyway. Like, yeah. Strings are like my favorite. As far as like beats, if I could put strings on everything, I would. The only reason <laughs> I don't do it is because it's got to be live strings. I can't yeah, use, yeah. can't use simply strings. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I think that beat for me was is this deep, and plus I feel like I'm I'm always the most comfortable in the most depressing songs <laughs> so that yeah. was like that's where I must read man yeah that's why I said earlier like I really do believe it and like because I've been like re-listening to this album this week it's like really made me think about like breakup songs mm. and like I genuinely think it's like one of the best I've ever heard yeah like it's so good because it's just very because his style is kind of so with a lot of songwriters, it's like metaphors and it's like kind of hidden in like different meaning and double meanings. Yeah, this is like, yeah, I miss yeah. you and I'm like holding you on the hips yeah. and kissing you and then you pull back. Like It's just like like literal. He, he explains every part of it. And also like, if you follow along with it, yeah, it's this little bit like when he says, she's staring at him, eyes goes, glaze over, she closes her eyes, which opens and she's looking down, yeah? Yeah. If you just picture that, you're just like, damn. Yeah. Like, and he has a wait, he has he has his hand on her chin. She takes his hand that down, 
puts it on his chest and like takes her hands off his hips. Like she's trying to get away from him. Yeah. She's she's not having none of it. And there's little there's little glimpses, even when you go to the first track, this there's bits about her personality, like she don't offer to buy a drink. Yeah, exactly. Um, she's on the phone for time when he's just sitting there watching football. There's little bits and then by the time you get to there, you you realise that he's the kind of person, he's like he really likes this girl. Obviously you had the song when he's talking about now, yeah, I did kiss that girl, but it just made me realise I don't want any other girl but this girl, right? Yeah. So when this happens and he's like, yo, we can have an open relationship and boom, boom, boom. He's not even angry. Like, so when, when he finds out, when he goes, oh, when Scott tells him that Dan has been with his missus, yeah. that's the next song. So there isn't even a song where he's just like, how could you, boom, boom. He's like, please, like, she's like, you found out, cool, you're gone now. And he's just like, no, 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 like, please, please, I'm begging, please. Yeah. Like, to me, that whole song is a super deep, man, and it kind of, it shows you where his head's at, where his heart's at, how cold this this woman is, like, yeah. Yeah, it shows, like, male vulnerability, like, in, yeah. in like, a fucking harsh yeah. way. Because it's like, most guys, like, we just play it off as like, oh, yeah, no, basically, I like to get rid of her or whatever. Yeah. And in reality, I imagine a lot of those scenarios yeah. are really different. I think what this shows is like, yeah, he was in a situation where he was like, actually, I'm going to let all that shit go because I just want to be with you. And it's like that, that first time, that first relationship you're in mm. and like, you maybe dump them and then you're like, oh no, I want to be back with you. Yeah. And then they're like, oh, I want to be back with you. And then you're like, oh, I don't want to be with you anymore. And there's this like weird, awkward, like back and forth because you don't really understand your emotions and all that sort of yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. And I kind of feel like this is, this song is like a perfect explanation of how men just can't understand their own emotions. It's, and he's like just desperate to be it's, with her. It's, it's genius. Like, yeah, it's we, genius. Keep, we keep saying the word genius, but <laughs> it's like, if you can't think of it, if you're, again, genius is, is simplicity. It's how do you get a, an, um, an idea over a complicated idea over in a simple way yeah. that's what he does he yeah. gets a complicated emotional issues complicated ways of thinking ways of living and he's putting it into into music and he's presenting it to you in a way that no matter where you're from you can listen to it and understand it yeah and spot, on. spot on I saw an, an article and he was basically saying like this album in particular but like in his, his whole career he basically just tries to find like what is the passion in each song yeah so he's like what is the motivation what is the passion of this song once you know what that is he's like it just writes itself yeah and I was like you can completely understand like in, in that track particularly like I said even if you took the lyrics off of it actually like the music yeah. tells you like this is like vulnerability and like sadness and just fucking yeah. almost like despair like I don't know what to do and it's like it's so so powerful on, on that level so yeah love that um, if you could feature on any track on this album which one would you pick? Now, I know there are some features, so I'm not saying you, have, you can literally be on anything. You'll find a way to make it work. Um, feature, let's think, man. What songs do I really, do I really like? I think um, you're fit, but you know it, because obviously they had the remix with like, a bunch of other MCs. Yeah, yeah. And I think even at the time, I was just like, man, I could have been on that, man. Yeah. I could have I I done something on that. Yeah, that so, track was massive as well. Yeah, man. It was huge. It was, it was sick. So who was it? So it was, it was uh, Kano, yeah, Lady Sovereign, Tinty Strider, oh, someone, I swear it was someone else in there. As was well. Bruiser on there? Might even have been Bruiser. I know he was definitely on one of them. Yeah, because he did like, he did a couple of remixes to some yeah. of the other stuff. So I wonder yeah. if he was on there. Like, that, that, man, that era was just crazy. Yeah, it was and, crazy. And, and Mike Skinner, he, he made so many careers. I think yeah. that's one of the other things I, I really respect 
about him was in his position he was putting on other artists in a way and yeah. at a time when it was really working yeah. at a time where you, when having a, a featured artist on your track really meant something yeah. I feel like nowadays a feature don't mean anything um, for the most part unless it's a gigantic track but even with that even that said like personally I don't think a feature will make your career It'll, you'll have a bigger song but as far as going forward that you're still on your own but in that time features really meant something yeah. and he wasn't just like throwing on oh these are the biggest artists he was putting on artists that people were feeling in the grime scene but they hadn't really bust through yeah. and he was taking him like yeah nah I've got this right now moving forward um, so it was yeah man it was, that was incredible to see for sure I think that's like um, it's really important well it certainly was then like artists who had a platform mm. to bring through people that they liked yeah. like it doesn't need to be like oh this politically makes sense I like bring this artist yeah, yeah, we yeah. collaborate I actually like the fact that he decided to work with people like I mean Kano was like massive anyway but yeah. I like the fact that he saw this opportunity to be like I can make I can work with this guy and we can try and do something like really interesting and like Kano's first album like Home Sweet Home is, is one of my favourite albums yeah and like Kano's I, a legend yeah I mean the guy's just incredible but I really, I really like the fact that he, yeah, he basically just tried to bring through a new generation of artists and try he's, to push them. Forward. He's always done that though. Like yeah. if you listen to like one of the biggest, one of my favorite gig songs is Slow Songs. Mm. When he just, like, I think that's his, I think his production as well. And he yeah. just, he just kills it. And again, at the, at the time, he was still a bigger artist than Giggs was. Giggs was popping, but Matt Skinner's Matt Skinner, isn't it? Yeah. And just uh, putting him on a track like that was was absolutely massive. Um, I think even though the stuff that he's done, the work he's done with um, with his crap at the moment, like mm. Dave Merkage, uh, Teeth, all these guys, like the movement that he's got and just keeping it in his circle and just bringing these people through is like, it's, it's commendable, man. Yeah, for sure. Like the word legend gets used a lot, but I do feel like Mike Skinner has, has genuinely created a legacy. 100%. Like he's, he's yeah, really yeah, carved yeah. like a thing out for himself and 100%. he's brought on so many new people, so many new eyes. And it's hard as well, man. I feel like, I feel he really, he understands, um, I feel like he understands the music industry very well. Yeah. He understands his place in it and he's never really been one to, he doesn't move with the industry, the industry moves with him. Yeah. And he's definitely, he understands what it means to be independent, um, I, I started making music videos in 2012 um, and he I think he had started doing his own videos maybe a bit before that like maybe 2010 2011 and he was one of the, the, the artists I saw I'm, I was watching his video I think it was um, Trust Me he had this track called Trust Me I remember looking at the video like damn that's cold and I was like figuring out he used his, his website and I found out like what cameras he got yeah. boom I'm going to get that and like just taking elements of what he does um, the, the stuff that he did with the dot like so the, uh, it's him and another guy he, he they did a, um, a gig in like uh, in Hoxton Queen or something like a small pub yeah, yeah. like people didn't really know about but he's just he's the kind of person he just, he just does what he wants to do and I feel like he's putting out the blueprint for other artists even with his podcast he's putting out a blueprint yeah. like this is what you should do if you want to be an independent artist and you want to move in the industry 
on your own. Yeah, so true. I, he actually did a really small, I say it's really small, it's quite a big venue, XOYO in Shoreditch. Yeah. He just did a DJ set there. Yeah. But he was just pulling out, for, like, so most of the people in there were like 20 to 25. And yeah. there was like me and my like 30 year old mates in there. And he was dropping like, oh no, by So Solid. Yeah. Man. We were fucking losing our shit. And everyone in there is like, well, they just I don't know what they were expecting yeah. but I don't think that they really realise like his like legacy spans from like that kind of mid to end of the garage era yeah, yeah, to now yeah, yeah. like it's a fucking amazing career absolutely amazing um, let's talk about um, favourite lyrics or verses from, from this album um, and kind of tied into that I just want to talk about his his flow and his delivery because yeah. I remember when the Streets first came out <clears throat> one of my friends who got me into hip hop was like don't get this guy. It's fucking nothing rhymes. It's like, it's out of time. It's like, it's whack. Like, yeah. I just can't get into this. And I was like, I kind of knew what he meant, yeah. but I was a bit like, well, but th- at least this is ours. Like, at least this is English and like, he's really trying to like push through UK music and I, I thought the instrumentals even like then were amazing. But his flow, like a lot of people still are just like, nah, don't get it. Okay, so this is another thing we have to build with genius and again, right, when it comes to, to being a rapper or having having flows, like these are things that I think about all the time. Like yeah. you hear a beat, yeah? how can you hit that beat differently? Like how can you make your how can you make rap your own? How can you make the flow your own? Yeah. What is it? Are you gonna do it comes around every now and then me goes like alright, cool. They've got their thing, yeah. everyone jumps onto it, people find different ways of, of doing what they do. Going back to 2002 and probably even before that when he first started thinking right I'm gonna I'm gonna rap how I'm, I'm gonna do this yeah. the first time I ever heard him he wasn't so the person who sung on Has It Come To This um, the singer well, at the time was going to Westminster Uni in Harrow Campus right, okay. so when that song dropped that was my that was my area and I remember someone playing me this song saying oh this is so and so with this guy Mike Skinner playing me this song I'm listening to it, I'm just like, nah, this is nuts. <laughs> like, nah. What has he done? How has he done this? And to me, it was crazy. It's like, if you ever watched that movie, um, uh, Semi Pro, when they're the first guy to ever do the alley, but everyone just goes, foul. <laughs> what? Like, we don't know what it is. Yeah. That's how I was. I was just like, nah, this is nuts. And then, like a year later, when the song came out, I was working at Virgin Megastore at the time. And it would, they would play it non-stop. And I remember just listening to it all the time, just like, this is genius, man. Yeah. Like, what he's doing, because all you, have to, all you have to be, or all you should be trying to do as an artist is be different. Yeah. Right? So the fact that he came out with that style and that flow is nuts. And going back to when I'm talking about Giggs' song, um, Slow Songs, when that dropped, that dropped at a time where I think it came out on... No, actually, no, I think it was on Giggs' channel, actually. So you got all Giggs' fans listening to this song, right? They've never heard Matt Skinner before. They don't know who he is. Yeah. And they listen to it, and they're just like, what the fuck is this? This guy's out of time. Really, really, yeah. It's rubbish. I'm like, you don't get it. Yeah. Like, but then why would you? You know what I mean? And I think at the time, we were just a lot more open to hearing things that sounded new. Yeah. Um, but I think what he's done is genius, and I wish I could have thought of having some sort of, sort of new flow and I feel like what the way he's doing that there's going to be a, when, a, when the next kind of flow comes around it's going to be a lot closer to what he does yeah because what you're doing is you're allowing like we're talking about um, dry your eyes 
it's cool when you when you rap about certain things and yeah, she did this, she did that. But when you're just talking and you're saying it, yeah. you're getting so much more emotion through. And even the way you the way your ears you hear it, it's natural. It's the way spoken word is. Spoken word just hits you different than rap. Yeah. Um, even in the the drama, there's there's way too much drama in rap. Yeah. Whereas when you're doing the spoken word, the way he does it, it's just real life talking. It's the difference between overacting and acting. Yeah. And it's the difference between being a caricature of a person than just being that person. Yeah. Mike Skinner is just that person. So many good points in there. Um, I totally agree with you about the like the flows. At the minute, the skippy flow, this like rapid like machine gun thing, that is like inevitably will come to an end. Yes. And I think that we've gone like we're going to go full circle. Yeah. And we're going to get to a point where actually like not necessarily the same instrumentals, but like like boom bap style of flow where you've got more space yeah. I think that is definitely going to come back yeah. um, for exactly those reasons because I think that it's just all cyclical and people yeah. want something new and there's some fucking amazing like um, Ocean Wisdom's just dropped a new mixer it's fucking ama- like I'm sitting there just like I don't even know how you would begin to write that like I just it blows my mind but I do feel like there is a space for artists that, and Giggs is testament to that actually. Yeah. Giggs like completely flipped the scene on his head and was like, no, nah, I'm just going to talk even yeah. fucking slower than you yeah. can. Like, check this. And I do feel like that's going to happen. And in terms of like the delivery, I listened to an amazing podcast called The Realness, right. which is about Prodigy and uh, like Mob Deep and how they were affected by like Sickle Cell, basically mm. Prodigy and Sickle Cell. Yeah. And he essentially had to change his delivery to be that more soft and spoken because mm. when he was like ill, like the effort yeah, to like yeah, yeah, spit yeah. like harsh, like yeah. he used to on the first album, yeah. just couldn't do it. Right. So he like was like, I'm just going to talk now because yeah. it's just easier for me. And like I think like Prodigy is one of my like favorite rappers 100%. of all time, yeah, yeah, yeah. and his delivery is so iconic. It's like that slow, like soft, like spoken, and in a way, it's so much more aggressive as a result of it. It is, man, because it's like calm storm, you know. Listen, when when someone's really angry, they're not shout, man. They talk yeah. at you, like, right. and you just get way more emotion through it. I remember having a conversation with Kalashnikov years ago, and him saying to me like, "When you, if you think about it, all your favorite rappers, they rap how they talk." Yeah. And he was like, and at the time, I was super shouty, man. I was a super screamy rapper. And he was just like, yeah, you need to just, just calm, your, calm your flow down a little bit. You know what I mean? Just yeah. Because that's what, if you listen to Jay-Z, you listen to whoever, yeah. whoever you like here, yeah, they just rap as, them, as themselves. And um, it's, it's true. And I feel like with Mike Skinner, he's a classic example of, let me just play the beat. Yeah. Let me just talk. And and even some of my favorite songs, they're done when I'm just I'm just talking. I'm a, I'm like a very um, I don't know, man. I'm animated, especially when it comes to rapping. Yeah. And when I get excited, I shout or whatever. And it's like it's just taking that time to just now nah, just slow it down. What are you trying to say? Yeah. Like you know, what I mean, deliver it in a different way. But that, to be fair, though, what I would say about like your delivery is exactly what we just spoke about there, which is like when you do go into that, I believe I believe that it's real because it's like your normal like delivery is more calm and yeah. relaxed and like it's very like I can hear everything that you're saying and talking about when you get more passionate on something then there's more of an impact yeah. there yeah. because when you hear oh that's in the whole fucking thing unless you're like ODB where your yeah. style is like I'm fucking I am yeah, a lunatic yeah, 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 yeah. then I think it sometimes it can come across like 
not disingenuous, but it, you just, you just, it just washes over you. It's like people say it about like Onyx, basically. Yeah, the yeah, whole yeah, thing yeah. was like shouting on every track, and it's like, yeah. okay, I just like I'm just lost in this a little bit. There was a rapper, yeah, a rapper who who dissed me, but he helped me out. This was years ago, man. This guy is called oh, what's his name? MC Lakey, Big Up Lakey. So he did a diss track to me years ago, yeah. And um, in it, one of his bars was, "All you do is shout. Every song, every song is the same." And I remember listening to it and being like. Yeah, he's kind of right, actually, man. <laughs> like, yeah, nah, for real. Like, I remember listening to stuff and be like, yeah, he's actually right because because uh, what happens is, especially when you when you find your when you find something that works for you, it's very hard to then to switch it up because yeah. you're like, nah, this really works. This is my this is my thing. Yeah. And my thing for a long time was just that whole growling, like, because that's what happens when I start shouting. Yeah, and it, it, and it heard it was for him to do that and me to go. I didn't take it as a diss, man. I took it as like as as constructive criticism. Like, yeah, yeah. That's actually like, yeah, nah, cool. Yeah, thanks for that. Actually, that's actually really gonna help me. <laughs> yeah. And um, yeah, like I I I I did that. He actually said two things. He said I shouted too much. He said I was fat. And I was like, right, you know what? You're actually right, man. Like, <laughs> let me just start taking more better care of myself and switching up my flow a little bit. And it worked. And I feel like, yeah, it's having that because um, when you talk about like. It's dynamic range, so yeah. it's, it's it's like well, if you're always shouting or you're always quiet, where's the you need to have that that bits that go up and down, yeah. and I feel like for for an artist like me, it's super important because I don't think my voice in itself is that it's not a voice that you listen to and you're like, oh that's a yeah that's a you got a perfect voice for rap, yeah. so you kind of have to do a bit more with it and you have to utilize what you have. So that's always been something I've always listened out for. Like how how do how do rappers flow? How do they sound? Yeah. Like what's the what's the bit that makes that MC sit? That's um it's like really interesting that you said about that. I've never considered that like best rappers just rap how they talk. Mm. I've never thought about that. That's really like it's a really interesting statement because I've I've heard like a few interviews with um. Be real from yeah. Cypress Hill, and he's yeah. like the complete opposite. It's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. He's like I had to put this thing because. My voice is just so similar to everyone else's. Yeah. He's like, I wanted to do something different, so he puts on this like high pitched yeah, yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. But uh, it's true. Like in the main, I'd say like really good rappers are just, and that buys into the idea of like authenticity. Yeah. Because this is the thing. So when I was younger, so I'm like, we both know um, Nando Wiser, right? Yeah. So yeah, yeah. me and Nando Wiser used to do music and stuff when I was younger, and I basically I come to the realization is that I can't ever be a good artist because I'm not authentic enough in that. So the music that I want to make yeah. is not actually my experience in my life right? right so I, I couldn't find a way to be like tell the stories I wanted to tell in music that I liked because right, okay. I think the most important thing is like do stuff you like yeah? yeah. I could never find a way to do it so for me it was like mm, it's just never really going to be something that I want to be involved in so for me it was like the culture and the scene or something. Right. how else can I like be involved in like, right, promoting okay. the music that I love right but that is one of the hardest things. It's like, just what's your rap voice? And yeah. it's like, well, how do you actually deliver what you're saying? I think what's amazing about Mike Skinner and exactly what you said is like, that's just how he talks. Yeah. Like, he just, he's literally just like writing down his thoughts and then just speaks. But see, what you said, I totally disagree with in as far as like being, and this is the, this is the beauty of it as well, yeah. So when we first started doing, um, like way back in the day, I used to do a mixtape with um, my boy um, Answer. So that's pretty much how I got into UK hip hop. Yeah, um, we we kind of cheat coded the game, like how I got into what what we would do. Yeah, we would go to um, kung fu nights. We'd meet all these rappers and whatever, and be like, "Yo, do you want to jump on our mixtape?" 
obviously they'd be like, yeah, so we get Kalashnikov, Sway, Boom Boom, all yeah. of them mixtape. Then I put my tracks on there as well. That's literally how I cheat coded my way into the game. Yeah, but so one of the things, one of the artists we had on there was a guy called Ollie Bates. So in this time where every rapper really wanted to be, wanted to be Kalashnikov really. Like yeah. Kalashnikov was like the top. That's where we wanted to be. Everyone was trying to be super road. Even me, everyone was just trying to be super road. Yeah. Ollie Bates was totally different. He was just like, he was from, kid from the country and he would rap about that. Like, sick flow, boom, boom, boom. And I remember my, getting a phone call from uh, from Kaiser. And Kaiser was like, yo, who's this guy? I'm like, Ollie Bates. like, yo, this guy's hard, man. <laughs> and it's like, if you if you know Kaiser, yeah, like, Kaiser's, Kaiser's road, road, road. Like, Kaiser's, Kaiser's G. But Kaiser loved this guy because this guy was in his own, like, country voice yeah. wasn't trying to be hard at all but just doing his own thing and people always now more than ever like I believe now more than ever you don't have to change anything about yourself yeah. to get what you're trying to get because we live in a in a world that's totally open so yeah. true. the platforms are massive uh, you have social media everyone can find you if they want to find you yeah. you don't have to change anything about you but even at that time we're talking like I don't know, 99, 2000, maybe a little bit after that, where you're in a, in a, in a scene where everyone's trying to be this one thing and yeah. this kid is just like, now nah, I want to do this, something else. And then when you listen to like guys like now, like um, Elro and all these other rappers who they're not from that and they kind of play up to that. Yeah. Like my favourite battle rapper is Shuffle T because he's just, he's something different. He's just his own self. But yeah, my point is, I, I feel like if you're authentically yourself, no matter what that is, yeah. no matter how you do it, no matter what scene it's in, regardless of if you look at hip-hop, rap, grime, as that this is road music, but doing it your authentic self, no matter where you're from, your background, people are always going to gravitate towards that because, like you said, people don't really care what it is, they just want to know if it's real. Yeah, exactly. And I, th- I think that's essentially what Mike's going to figure out and I didn't. Mm. So that's what I'm, I would have been bigger than the streets, is what I'm saying. I believe that. Like, good, like, you know what I mean? I'm playing, I'm playing. I, I, I 100%. I see, this is me. Like, I believe that. I believe that. When, you, when you're just doing your own thing, it's, you're just, people are going to gravitate towards you, man. Yeah, it's true. But, he, I mean, he, like, he's essentially, like, figured out exactly that. And mm. you combine that with a genius, like, level, then it's, like, what he's made is something amazing. I think that goes into, like, my next question. It's just, like, what do you think this album's, like, impact is on, like, UK music and UK music scene? I think it's massive because what I think it did is two things. Um, the first thing is it, it taught labels at that time to take a risk. Yeah. So we're talking about, uh, what label was he on? Was six, he on? Six, seven, six, nine, seven, nine, nine yeah. who are now defunct, but like really and truly, they're just the old XL, yeah. like the model. You now have labels like XL taking a chance on a rapper like Giggs yeah. who the mainstream most people are looking and going nah that ain't right like if you think about people not liking Mike Skinner's flow how many times do you think he went to labels or A&R and they were like nah yeah. mate that ain't gonna work yeah. and what he did was break through in a way where labels at that time were more willing to take a chance with, with new artists yeah. or new sounds especially urban sounds um, and I think yeah, I think his his legacy is, is super cemented. Like you said, he's he's a legend. He's definitely changed the game, 
and he continues to change the game just on his outlook on what an artist should be and what what do you do also like okay cool you get your big album you get, you, you, you bust through you got your big album then what do you do yeah like and what do you do when you're not the hottest thing anymore yeah. like he's figured it all out like yeah no that's cool like we do this then we do that and another thing as well we're talking about stories yeah if you listen to Hardest Way to Make It Easy Living um, what's the one after that uh, everything's borrowed everything is borrowed like computers and blues if you listen to all these like it's a story yeah. it's, it's still a story and he's just he's literally just telling you like this is how you grow in music but this is also how you grow as a person these are the these are the ways you go through you go through being on the streets or wanting to be involved in the streets you, you then come through to really trying to find yourself you then come through to really trying to sort out your business life and your yeah. relationships and all this kind of stuff and um, I think if you're a smart artist you will watch what he's done and really just see like okay this is there's a, there's a blueprint there man yeah no for sure absolutely um, alright well let's um I just want to wrap up like our conversation about that album because then we're going to go into like a bit more of a broader chat because that's the reason you like kind of said like oh, come on because yeah, I've, I've got stuff to talk about so we'll go into that um, just before we do that um, if there was someone that had never heard this album yeah. and you had like 30 seconds to pitch this album be like this is why you should listen to it what would you say damn that's a tough one tough right um, I think if you want to know how the average person is living out here or was living out here at the time where DVDs were still a thing. <laughs> like, yeah. you need to listen to this album, man, because it's going to give you an insight into a time. It's going to give you an insight into a, ty- a, ty- a type of person, and it's it's called the streets for a reason, man. Like, yeah. it's going to give you an insight into the streets, like not the not the the streets as in the gangster streets, just the real streets, just the real stuff real people go through. Listen to this album, man. That's good. You got me so I'm, I'm there. I'm there. <laughs> All right, we're going to have a quick break. Then we're going to like open the floor up and then a um, couple of listener questions and then we are out. So Boom. stay with us. Okay, so I want to just get through a couple of these listener questions. Um, we've actually answered some of these kind of uh, just by talking through the album. But uh, Nick Sharp asks, uh, I get a lump in my throat every time that piano kicks in on empty cans. So cleverly put together, as is the whole album, except not addicted, which is the same same as you feel, right? <laughs> which feels uh, wholly superfluous and always gets skipped. Do you have another skip on the album? Well, you you two obviously in like sole agreement with yeah, this one. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, like I said before, for me it's like um, what's it called? Fit, but you know it. It's like it just gets to the point where I'm like, <sighs> I don't skip it. No, nah, I, wa- I want yeah, to. Yeah, yeah. I want to. And I feel bad about that. I still don't skip. I still don't skip it. But I get. I get. What, yeah, I get what you mean. Yeah. Um, Gary Smith asks um, it's easily one of my favourite UK albums if you can only listen to this or original pirate material which one you going for I saw you actually responded to this on Twitter I did man I did you know what but then I walked it back on the way here because there's a lot of songs that, so I think um, there's a lot of songs on what's the album that I, I keep forgetting the name of Everything the, um, is Borrowed Everything is Borrowed there's a, lot, there's a few songs on there that really just hit me yeah like as far as like um, Edge of a Cliff might be because to me that's like that's like the Nirvana yeah like it's like you've you've just come through the other side but then there's on original part material the We Become Heroes it's like 
it's just nuts, man. Yeah. That's just, that's just, to me, it's just a crazy song. Um, too Late. Like, those are songs. And another thing as well, we're Too Late, going back to the first album, that's an, that's a, an, an a album or a song that's influenced how I write music to this day. So, again, it, it, it influenced me a lot more um, than everything is borrowed. Yeah. So it is, it is tough, like, what I would choose. Um, but I, I think it would still have to be everything is borrowed, man. Yeah. Because it's, 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 it's like, the um, strongest person I know. It's a super emotional, man. Yeah, I think that album is really emotional. Like, even the title, the title track. Yeah. It's like, came to this world with nothing. Yeah. It's like, it's just, and everything else is borrowed. Like, the actual, that concept of, yeah. like, essentially life's really short, like, don't get caught up in material things. Like, I find that really, like, interesting. Like, it's, it's, a, it's a really good album as well. And how I, how I think nowadays as well is way more in line with that. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm so, I've gone so from money, money, money to just, I don't care about money anymore. Like, and not like, I don't care about money in like, oh, I, I'm just going to give you all my money because I don't care about it. No, <laughs> not like that. Like, money's important, but it's no more important than a lot of other things. Yeah. And it's just having that balance of being like, yeah, no, 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 no. Money's important, but also, so is health. So is, so is spiritual health. Yeah. Like, so is relationship, how, how your family's friendships, all that kind of stuff. It's in the same vein as that. Yeah. And um, I feel like everything is, is borrowed is definitely way more in line with how I live my life now rather than how I used to live which I think original pipe material kind yeah. of is in that scene totally but it's it's right because essentially with artists who like we see their their careers we also mm. see their kind of life and how they change and that, yeah. that for me is like him maturing and so like for us listening to that we're kind of like also going through the same changes it was going to resonate with us yeah. like I'm the same like for me it was like I've kind of in the last maybe even just like since I turned 30 last two or three years mm. it's like the only currency that's important to me is happiness yeah so like what makes me happy yeah and it's like you're right like money's a really important factor in me being happy yeah but it doesn't define me anymore it's about like how, what's going to make me the most happy basically yeah man the work man so I say like if you're still chasing the bag man you, you haven't got it yet it's yeah. like don't chase the bag chase the work yeah. because the work is where the happiness comes from. It's still the journey and it's something, again, man, this is like stuff I said on the intro on my very first track, 2003. It's, it's not about, it's not about the destination, it's about the journey yeah. and it's about understanding all the parts that go into that and I feel like, yeah, that album resonates way more. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Tony D wants to know, why haven't you written the chorus for our song yet? Do you know what, yeah? <laughs> I saw that and I was just made, made me chuckle. I was like, that's tone straight up, just like. Do you know what? Okay, I had this conversation with my wife here. I'm a, I'm a, right, I'm, we're gonna go deep now, yeah. Let's do it. Let's do it. So yesterday or the day before, um, I came back from. I was trying to. I'm, I'm trying to put my the next project together, and I wrote two hooks for this one song. And I sat down. I was like, "Raw, I can't write hooks anymore, man. Like hooks used to be my thing. Like yeah, yeah, hooks yeah. used to be like, yeah, we need a hook, Jen. I got that pump." Yeah. Now I'm just like, so I sat with my wife. I was like, let's go back, listen to um, my last project. So we put on um, uh, it will all end in tears. Yeah. So I was like, let's listen to this and let's see how many good hooks are on it. Because I like, when was the last time I wrote a good hook? So I listened to uh, what song was it? It will all end in tears. I was the actual title track. I was like, yeah. it's an okay hook, and nothing special. It works, cool. Then it was a uh, Will and Jada. I was like, yeah, it hooked all right, but it's nothing special. 
and then there was that we I came to the conclusion there was one good hook on it. I was like, ah yeah, yeah, now nah, that's that's a that's a good hook. I can't remember what song it was. So right now, I'm in a hook drought, man. Like <laughs> I just can't I write a hook and it's like nah, it sounds like something else I've heard before or it just doesn't do I need to go back and listen to original part material and yeah. get my hook game back because yeah, it's lost. But um I've actually I actually did record a version of that hook. A, vers- a hook for that song okay. but I just didn't like it but it's still it's sitting there me and Tony D uh, Nighty P yeah we got a bang of a track which yeah. is almost like two years old now because I've been longing it out <laughs> it's coming man it's yeah, coming I'm excited to hear it but like t- Tony for me is like we were talking before about like just MCs that you want to hear yeah and, like when I hear Tony rap I'm just like again it's another one where I'm like what's the fucking point Different. Like, Different. what's the fucking point of everyone else rapping like, this it, is what it, it, it's no, unbelievable this is why I don't compete with, with guys like Tony D Yeah. because what Tony D does no one else can really do and actually as well yeah, when I was young when I was a young rapper yeah, I was so arrogant yeah, and I used to think I was the best rapper ever I was mm. just like nah no one could tell me nothing I was just in my mind I was the best yeah. I was like yeah that's why I, I, that's why like I said before I'm jumping on the track with Kalashnikov thinking, yeah, I'm going to run with Kalash. Yeah. Like, and I remember one time listening to the radio and Poisonous Poets were on and Reveal and Tony D must have spat some verses and I was just like, oh shit, man. <laughs> like, damn, like, even in, in, my, in my ego, arrogant state, I was still just like, nah, they're, they're, this is a problem. Like, these guys, these guys, are, they're not normal, man. And Tony <laughs> D's one of them guys. Every time I hear his verse, I'm just like, nah, I can't do the the punchlines, yeah. wordplay stuff. I'm just like, nah, that's not that's not for me anymore, yeah, man. Yeah. Because that that lane, that's his lane, man. Like, I was listen, listening to the what did he post yesterday? He posted up the the verse he did over Vossi Boy. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm just like, <laughs> you're an idiot, man. Like, no one <laughs> needs to rap like that. He did that. That um, legends, there's a there's a track called Veterans or something on Shawnee T's new album. Go check Shawnee T's latest album; it is incredible. But there's a track on there where he got basically every single veteran UK rapper yeah. on it, and everyone just does their thing. Tony D, yeah, is disrespectful. Yeah, he just comes <laughs> on there and just kills off everybody. Like everyone came on there to have fun. Everyone's there, like yeah, yeah, let's just put the gloves and have a little sparring. Tony wrapped his hands in glue and glass and started punching up. I was just like, nah, you're silly. There's no need for that. But he's, he's different. He's a beast, man. Yeah, he's, he's, he's fucking ridiculous. And also, like, one of the nicest people that I've ever met in my life. Like, really so much time for Tone. Um, he's going to come back, hopefully, and do a couple of other episodes. He wants to do Ill Basically, everyone wants to do Ill Matic. Yeah. So, like, everyone's like, I can't do Ill Matic. And I'm like, so I actually promised it to none the wiser because he's, like, yeah. the biggest Nas fan I've ever yeah. met in my life. But, yeah. but he's got to hurry up because Tony D's, like, knocking the door down. Like, I want to do Ill Matic. I was like, all right, all right, we'll try and get to it. So, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, real deep, man. Big uh, up, big up, Mr. Mr. Tony, yeah, big, big him up all day. Um, right, let's um, let's open the floor up because I think the kind of first conversation we had about you coming on the pod, you're like, yeah, I want to talk about a load of stuff, and I was like, look, absolutely, like we'll do the album stuff, and then let's just talk more broadly about anything, whatever you want to talk about. The floor is yours. Cool, man. I'm like, and mine's out of blank now. I have no idea what I want. That's the problem, right? It's like, yeah, yeah what's like, I've got all these things to say, and it's like, okay, here's my opportunity. Like, oh fuck, like, what what I don't because I'm I'm such a like a. Um, a man of the moment, innit? Yeah. So, like, in the moment, I was probably, like, on one that day, like, I want to say this, I want to say that. Now I'm just like, mm, 
kind of cool to them. They're angry, yeah, yeah. I'm, like, I'm cool. Like, what is what is going on, man? Like, well, let's let's just talk then, if like if you don't mind, like just more broadly about what you mm. see the UK scene because I feel like, and I, I saw yesterday uh, Shay Lingo posted yeah, yeah, like, yeah. BT little freestyle little clip yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And it, I, I'll be honest, like that fucking blew me away. I was like, wow, like this guy's next level. I've been liking him for a while, yeah. and then I was like, fuck, he's actually like elite, like he's yep. next level. And um, it suddenly like got me thinking. I, I just posted like, UK are fucking smashing the US to bits right now. In my yeah. personal opinion, I don't think it's even close. I think we have got so many good rappers, so many good artists, so many good producers. I feel like the US has become very stale. It's become very samey. I don't think there's a lot of people pushing the envelope and trying to create much outside the likes of Kendrick that are really trying to change or like at least like grow their own sound. I feel like there's a lot of people just making very similar stuff. Whereas in the UK, I feel like there's more people want to be original. Don't get me wrong, you still yeah. got people doing the same shit mm. as each other. But there are lots of different lanes, people doing different things. And I think that for the first time, certainly in my lifetime, I feel like the UK is way above the US. I think we have a lot more freedom yeah. um, artistically because we don't have the same... Our culture is very different as far as like uh, label culture, celebrities, um, just what you have to do to be in the public eye. Yeah, we don't, Our culture is super different. So because our scene is so small as well, so there's a lot of things you don't have to do to, to really get in the public eye. Um, the cost of entry to become one of the biggest artists or to, to be up there with the biggest artists and have your name out there in the UK is super low. Yeah. Um, so the, the pressures is different. And I feel like there's a lot of stuff that we take from America as far as yeah. our, our cues to fashion... Um, the sound a little bit but again like in America their sound comes from themselves yeah we take bits from everywhere like we take bits from from African music from um, Caribbean music from obviously from British music we take things from from everywhere and I feel like our music reflects who we are as a nation yeah England has always been a nation of importers and exporters. Yeah. That's what we do. We don't really grow anything. And now we say homegrown, but for the, for the, for the most part, yeah, it's homegrown, but we take bits from everywhere. Yeah. And that's always, that's, that's always represented in the music we make. Yeah. Um, and I, even in, in boundaries, like we, again, man, we've been talking about Mike Skinner, just in cultural boundaries, racial boundaries, we're very much in the music, desegregated in a, in a way as we're always we're very inclusive of the, of what we take in and how we use things mm. so on that side of things I don't think America can really mess with us that way because yeah. they're kind of they're very much stuck in their ways um, on how they see the game and they're still it's weird I listened to um, to Jay-Z I was watching a, the Moonlight video again the other day and uh, on that certain when he says you still signing deals for real yeah. still and I just went like raw like yeah in America they're still doing that they're still looking for even in a, even in a place where they have so much opportunity the place is so big they can still do what they want but they're still kind of doing stuff so the label's like yo look at me and then trying to get on yeah. where it was over here because we never really had that like I've never had that so I've, I've, I've never been in a situation where I've had to do something for somebody else yeah. I've never had to think about what what does the label want 
what does the radio want? Because I've never cared. And I feel like a lot of artists are that way. And they also, they understand that all they need is their platform, a place where they can put their personality out there, draw people in, and then give them the music. Yeah. That's all you need. And so as far as like an artist like Che Lingo, like this man, this guy, like you said, he's elite, man. Yeah, he's, just, he's just on his own wave. And if you've watched him over the last couple of years, yeah. just look at him. You see what he's doing. And you're just like, yeah, man, this guy. He's a, like him, um, Manga, who else? Um, uh, Michael Payne, yeah. um, Dave Merkage, um, another guy, Teeth. These are guys that I look at. I'm just looking at. They're my inspiration. I'm just like, yeah, like just do your own thing, right? Yeah. And just, you're good. Like Just do what you want. Don't watch what anyone else is doing. Just make the music you want to make. Say the things you want to say. People are going to come in and they're going to feel it. And you're really just doing it for yourself. You don't have to fit into any box. America at the moment, from, my, from what I'm seeing, they don't have that. They have to fall in line because they got these big guys. They got juggle. They got the Drakes. Yeah. They got people who, these people are dominating the charts. They still care about the charts. Yeah. Like, no one cares. Like, Stormzy's doing his chart thing, but again, no one really cares. Like, yeah. nah, do your thing in it. We're going to do something else. It's, it's really true. Like, I feel like essentially the UK is. A, full of independent artists mm. and because we like actually had to because there wasn't yeah. uh, a kind of pre-built scene around that and whereas the US is still in this mindset of like get a deal get a deal like yeah. that's the be all and end all and it's so true like there are so many examples even in the states of people who are independent who are like infinitely way more successful like Chance has never had a like Chance the Rapper's never had a record deal yeah. and he's like he's massive over yeah. there yeah. and it's like they should be looking at those examples and People like Jay-Z, I think what's really interesting is like 444 was essentially like his his kind of like legacy, basically. He was yeah. going, look, here's all the lessons you need yeah. to be successful yeah. in, in modern America and, yeah. and also in the music business. If you just listen to that album and heed the warnings and listen to what he's saying, yeah. you'll probably, if you're talented, you'll probably go quite far. Yeah. And it seems like people are like, oh yeah, that was a kind of good album. Okay, and then just moved on. They're not getting it, man. Not getting it. And it's, it's funny because the game has been like, you listen to like Gary V is like, yeah. my favourite human he's giving you the game like every yeah. day like, and it's so funny because I look at certain things and I look at like I look at his views and be like he put up a video and they've got like I don't know 200,000 views or something and then someone else put up a video about some bullshit and got like 4 million views and it's like, you like you're not you're not getting it like yeah. it's, it's there for the taking you're just not understanding it you, you don't understand ownership um, you don't understand what it means to be a creative and you're trying to you're trying to find you're trying to find rules when the person who's telling you the rules is telling you there are no rules <laughs> like what do you want to do there's, there's ways that you can present yourself and there's platforms that you should use and ways that you can use it practical ways which is important but at the same time it doesn't matter what you do and you've still got people trying to fit into these boxes and thinking oh I need this I need that no you don't you need content yeah. you need to document what you're doing you need to be passionate about what you do get on the path and just do it forget all the other stuff you don't there's we're, we're still putting way too much we, we still believe in gatekeepers yeah. which is nuts in 2019 almost 2020 you still think that your face is in someone else's hands yeah. it's like it doesn't work that way. And the problem is, I see this all the time, man, because from from my position here, like, I'm not a big artist. I'm not a big artist 
even in the independent scene, I'm not a big artist in the independent scene. There are so many artists that are bigger than me. But in my little my little bubble, yeah, I'm still good. Yeah. So to me, whenever I see artists that are bigger than me and I see them complaining like, oh, like, you ain't got this, you ain't got I'm just like, what? Yeah. Like, are you mad? Like, how are you not eating off what you're doing? Because to me, like, I can make a grand of hoodies tomorrow. Like, straight up. Like, it's not even... It's not even a big deal. Like we 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 do that off hats. It's it's super easy, and the only reason I can do it is because I'm just doing my own thing, man. Yeah. It's just like I got people that like my music. They're fans of what I do in this tiny little, like again, man, in my tiny little bubble. Like you see, my views they're not massive. My my streams aren't massive. My shows do okay, and it's just like, but it's it's steadily growing. Yeah, and I'm just in my, I'm just in my zone, like, and that's the way I feel. Every, I feel like everyone should be there. Everyone should get that. Yeah. Like, why are you trying to go to people and they're taking a percentage of what you do to not get any more? Yeah. And it's nuts. I said, I'm, I'm like these guys that I'm. I'm not gonna mention names, but these guys that are very close to me that are signed, that have a lot of money put into them, and I'm still doing more numbers in them. Yeah. And they're still giving a cut of whoever's backing them. And I'm just like, this is mad. It's and also, bad, yeah. like. This is yours forever. Like this, I still make money from Depp and Road. Like yeah. that's that's to me again. That's nuts. I took that off Spotify because I wanted to just change the the algorithm. I was getting this. I was trying to get new fans and move into a different direction, and the algorithm was messing me up. And people were like, "Oh, you shouldn't have taken it off, man. You're losing a lot of money." And I was like, "I don't even care. Like it's gonna do what it does anyway. Like people, yeah. buy, people, it's on Bandcamp. People buy it off Bandcamp every day. Someone buys that album. Like <laughs> it's nuts." Yeah. Man. That's so true. Like it's it's, it's really interesting. Um, the Gary V thing is really fascinating because actually, like he's one of the reasons that I started this podcast in the first place. Because nice. I saw a little video and he was like, "If you're interested in doing like podcasts and you're not using Anchor, which is the app we publish through, yeah. it's like what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. So like, we do. So like, you can you don't need like to have like a big production company and then get publishing deal with like iTunes. You just go on this app you can do it all on your phone and then just publish it you put in like all the bio and it's just up published in like yeah. 30 minutes and I was like exactly what you were saying about this idea of like gatekeepers and yeah. barriers we live in a world where you can like create a YouTube channel just start recording yourself on your phone yeah. upload it to your YouTube channel and just keep putting it out yeah. and then one day you can have a million followers yeah. and then just that's your income that's it it's like, there is no gatekeepers it's exactly no. the same with music you can upload your own shit to Spotify you can put it out there. Yeah, don't get me wrong, like networking mm. and like finding other people who can promote you and push you forward. Of course, yeah. like that's that's the way it is. But no yeah. one is actively out going, oh don't let them don't let them put like be on Spotify. Yeah. Don't let them have a song in the chart. Like just fucking put shit out. Yeah. So many talented people I know just don't put anything out. It's like just create and put it out there. Like this this idea of gatekeepers and people like trying to block yeah. you down just doesn't exist in the, in the same nah, industry now. And it, again, it's like we live in a this idea of people trying to go viral and stuff like that. You don't need that, yeah. and it's all it's, this consistency is so is so much more important. And I feel like that's the bit that a lot of people miss out on. Yeah. And again, yeah, they're trying to wait for they're trying to wait for that perfect opportunity. And it's like uh, it's like fighting. You're waiting for the knockout shot. Yeah. Nah, jab them up, man. Just keep jabbing them up. Like, they're gonna fall eventually. Yeah. Right, win on points. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> as long as you win, it don't matter, right? Cool, man. Is there anything else you want to chat? Nah, man. Just thank you for having me. Like, no, it's been a pleasure, man. Like, please, I'd love it if you'd come back and do Roots I'm going to come back, man. Like, Roots Maneuver, I'm, I think uh, Run Come Save Me, Yeah. like, it's a super important album. Um, and again, those two albums are like, they're, they're like my, 
my baseline when I make music, especially when I make projects. Um, they're the ones I listen to and put them side by side. When I made um, private moments in public, yeah. that was like I listen. I think I listened to. Uh, I, li- I think I listened to brand new second hand. Actually, I listened to brand new second hand. Um, a grand I come for free, and run come save me. At least once a week, yeah. alongside my album, and just seeing how did it fit, how did it gel, how did it jam, and like the the songwriting, the structure, what's the feel? Like one of the biggest um, compliments I ever had was the day my album dropped, and um, the day public moments, um, private moments in public dropped. Um, Bobby Johnson hit me up. She was like, "I've never had an album that I listened to that I just felt like I was a part of it. Like I felt like I was this." I felt it from start to finish I felt like I was involved That's and it's great. like the the blueprint of that is really if you listen is, it, the blueprint of that is really um, uh, Run Come Save Me and The Ground That Come For Free because yeah. it's that storytelling element that narrative that goes all the way through I use mine slightly different I don't use it in the music as such I use it in the skits yeah. that kind of gel, the, gel it all together to bring you into it so you feel like yeah this is, this is part of that this is part of one one day or one time but um, yeah those albums are like super important to me as a songwriter just really like I say even taking that inspiration of how how those albums make me feel yeah. is how I want you to feel when you hear my music like, yeah that's, that's, that's really perfect explanation man that's great so um, yeah look thanks so much for coming down cool, appreciate man. it um, where can people follow you if they want to like start checking out if they're not a fan already I'm the easiest person to find um, Genesis Elijah on all social media um, Twitter Instagram I think I still got a Facebook page as well <laughs> finally there man but yeah, yeah My, MySpace people. My, I still have a MySpace page as well <laughs> oh, shit. yeah man apparently still there someone told me I feel like MySpace is like going to come back at some stage like it's going to be like one of these things like someone's going to reinvent it like the, you know like there's TikTok now yeah, yeah, yeah. instead of Vine it's like it's exactly the same as Vine yeah, Vine yeah. just dies TikTok's there someone's going to create a sort of similar thing I'm sure. oh you can get me on TikTok as well man I'm there as well there we go, yeah, there we go. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I've got it but I'm there yeah exactly um, well look thanks so much for listening um, if you're not already follow us on notorious p underscore o underscore d on twitter uh, and instagram is notorious pod um, you can follow me at the real john bass j-o-n-b-a-s-s we'll be putting out links to this pod so um, I'll put Genesis all of his links in there as well so you can follow him um, thanks so much we've also got a Spotify playlist for all the tracks that we speak about in every episode so just go to Spotify search for notorious podcast joints and you'll see it in there um, mate honestly thanks so much it's been real pleasure um, and get ready for the next episode peace this is Notorious P.O.D the name's John Bass on this M.I.C I brought a couple man alongside of me I got Gary Roy Smith in the place to boot we got murder stats and guests galore you know we're talking real hip hop folklore and we're gonna cover all the goddamn classics Notorious P.O.D we're gonna smash it Peace!